the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, stay tuned for the conclusion of last week's message. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, what, what John is saying is that he is loving us, and if he's loving us to the extreme, that he would take off his royal robe in glory, wrap himself up in limiting flesh, live on the earth, die a brutal death, be buried in a borrowed tomb, raised again the third day, and, 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 and invite you and I to be partners with him, called his own children, adopted into his family. Surely you wouldn't rob the person who adopted you, especially not after they paid that kind of price. And, and even after adopting you, he keeps waking you up in the morning, keeps feeding you, keeps clothes on your back, shoes on your feet, car in the driveway, half a tank of gas at least. He keeps on blessing you and loving you and pouring it out every day, even when we don't love him. He loves us anyhow. Because you know it does rain on the just and the unjust. I got some neighbors don't never go to church. But when the rain come down, it rain on their yard too. Matter of fact, sometimes their yard look better than mine. That's just the love and grace of God. That he rains on the just and the unjust. And if God is loving us that way, you wouldn't rob a person who's loving you. I mean, I might rob you if you give me a hard time. And you know, when, when it's time for me to get something, you say, nah, we can't afford it. But when it's ever time for you to get something, you get what you want, then I might rob you then. But when God is constantly ever loving us, nah, we wouldn't rob him. So that helps me to understand why this question is rhetorical because he's creator, he's owner, he's preeminent, he is the I am, he is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, he is ever watchful, and he is loving us all the time. And so therefore, I get it, it's a rhetorical question. Then the text goes on. It says, yet you have robbed me. Now, keep in mind before you take this too personal. Tell your neighbor, this ain't personal. It's not personal. It's not personal. Because I, I felt y'all tighten up when I, when, it, when, I read the word, when I read the word you. When I, when I read, when it said, yet you have, I, I, I felt y'all tightened a little bit. But it's not personal. This is Israel. He's talking to Israel. In light of the rhetorical question, there is a response of reality. 
The response of the reality is, yet you have robbed me. That's the response of reality. Despite all the reasons why you shouldn't have robbed me, Israel, (laughs) yet you have. So I asked why. I was reading back and I saw the priest and the people, they didn't reverence God. They didn't respect God. They were afraid that God wasn't going to fulfill the promise but yet they were not afraid that God was going to bring judgment. They figured God was, had gone to sleep. He's not paying attention, in essence. And so, you know, I believe that's what allowed them to get to the place where in the text he says, yet you have. And Malachi says, even though you don't think judgment is coming, if you look back with me to verse number three, and I'm read a couple of verses there. Um, Malachi says judgment is coming. Listen to, verse, listen to this. He will sit at, as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord. As in the days of old, in the former years, and I will come near you for judgment. He's coming. I'm coming. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers and adulterers and perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. I'm coming. God said, I'm coming. Through Malachi, he lets them know that judgment is indeed coming. So now I asked the question why, but as I kept reading the text, they asked the question how. Y'all see that? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? They, they want to know what you're talking about, Willis. <laughs> what do we do? What do you, what do you mean by that? Um, so they asked this question how. Now the answer comes back to them in tithes and offering. Amen. And again, remember, we're talking about Israel. Um, this is the response to reality. They had robbed God, and God said, you've robbed me in tithes and offering. Now, let me, let me walk us through just a little bit, of, a little teaching here. Uh, t- tithe means 10% of the first fruit of your commerce increase. I'm going to say it one more time. I know y'all say, what? It's, it's 10% of the first fruit. That's the first part that comes in of your commerce increase. The reason why I add the word commerce, because I want you to know we're talking about money. Let me back up. See, in the Old Testament, fruit from the tree and cattle and livestock from the stock and wheat and corn and and seed from the field was commerce. That's what they used to buy and purchase. But today we don't farm. Amen. Ain't no cattle ranches in here. We don't don't go to Safeway and exchange a chicken for a loaf of bread. Y'all still here? 
And so the tithe is 10% of the first fruit of commerce increase. Now, for those of you who say, I heard that before, that's Old Testament, that's the law, we ain't under the law. You're right, we're not under the law. But this is not law because this begins before the law is even instituted. When Abraham gives 10% of his first fruit of increase to Melchizedek before the law even starts. And I know that we want to get out from under the law and you are out and you are free. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the law was just a standard to keep us at the basics. Grace says I can do the basic and then some. (laughs) Y'all catch that one later. Watch this. Here's another one I want you to know. Leviticus chapter 27, verse number 3. I'm not going to read it, but Leviticus chapter 27, verse number 3. You can write this down because I want you to check me because I know y'all, you know, this is a subject matter y'all going to be checking. Leviticus chapter 27, verse number 3 says that the tithe is holy to God. Holy to God. That means it is set apart, sanctified. It belongs to him. It's holy. It's untouchable. Is he is. It belong, it's holy and it belongs to him. It's, it's holy. And so now what, what, I, what I hear and I get a lot, some folks say, well, you know what, Pastor? I give, I give some money, but I tithe my time. Remember I said first fruit of commerce. But just in case you are a time tither, I just want you to know, if you are a time tither, you would have to tithe Let's see, 18 hours and 38 minutes of every week to the Lord. 18, I don't think, I don't see no tithers because I don't see y'all. I don't see y'all that much. 18 hours, 38 minutes would be what would be required of you, even if we were accepting time tithes. And we're not. And the Lord is not asking for that because time is in his hands, not in yours. And so it will be 18 hours and 38 minutes will be your requirement of time tithing. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shooting y'all down. I can see it. I'm, I'm taking this rug from under your feet. Then there's another group of folk that say, well, I tithe my talent because I sing in the choir. I usher at the door. Well, here's the deal. You can't, you can't tithe talent either because the talent ain't yours. And the Lord says that every gift and every talent that's given is given for the benefit of all. It belongs to the Lord, so we give it back to him for his glory. It's his. That's, that's, and again, remember, tithing has nothing to do with your talent. And for those most of who would probably say that, not that talented anyway. Okay, okay. So tithing is, <laughs> tithing is the first fruit of your commerce increase. And then there's another group of folks that say, well, pastor, do I tithe on my gross or do I tithe on my net? I know y'all want to know this too, right? Just in case you wanted to know. It's first fruit. First fruit means the first part that comes in, and I'll call it your bragging salary. Amen. Nobody brags on what they get after taxes and after, after, (laughs) you know, after allotments and all the other stuff. Nobody, well, you know, my salary is, uh, you know, somewhere around 30,000 after I pay everybody. No, you brag, I'm 65,000 a year. I make 140,000. Yeah, that's what the first fruit. Your employer is gracious to you to take, take the tithes, I mean, take the tithes for the government off for you. 
It's your responsibility to bring the tithes to the house of the Lord. All right, all right, I'm going to leave y'all up. (laughs) For the children of Israel, he says, because you have robbed me, you are, in, in this area of tithes and offering, you are cursed with a curse. Now, watch this. The Lord had set before the children of Israel, they knew this. He had set before them a mountain. He said, in that day, he says, two mountains. Um, On one mountain is blessings. If you do, if you keep my word, if you're faithful to me, I'll bless you. It's It's the mountain of blessings. And then on the other hand, you can also choose to disobey me, and then there's the mountain of curses. And so they had a choice in terms of walking in obedience. They knew that they would be blessed because of their obedience. And in their disobedience, they already knew that in our disobedience, we're going to be cursed. And what Malachi comes back to them and reminds them, because of your unfaithfulness to God, you've chosen the curse. And God says through Malachi, as a result of their robbing God, that they have been cursed with a curse. Okay? Now, I don't have a whole lot of time to lay out for you all the ways in which folk even today are being cursed. But I will tell you, if you're struggling in your financial area, it might have, might have something to do with a curse on your finances. Might. I'm not saying every financial picture is a curse. Not saying that. But it might have something to do with it. Let me say this. If you honor God, I will say this. God will take care of you. Y'all still here? Uh, and so, and so um, for them, they were cursed with this curse. And, and again, covenant blessings comes from covenant obedience. Okay? Keep that in mind. Just, you know, write that down. If, if I want the covenant blessings of God, I've got to obey the covenant of God. I've got to be faithful to the covenant. So if I'm faithful to the covenant, I can expect the covenant blessings. Now, this, this is not just the covenant as it relates to the covenant of giving and, and, and offerings and, and the other things, but even the covenant of marriage. If you want a, a blessings in your covenant marriage, covenant faithfulness in marriage reaps covenant blessings in marriage. Y'all still here? Yeah. I know y'all would rather talk about money now, right? <laughs> so he said he says to them you're, you're, you're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me even this whole nation now um the, the idea here is um in this statement that the, that it's the whole nation it's that so much of israel is involved in the, the robbing of the lord and in the this unfaithfulness to God, not just in the giving area, but also in the multitude of other areas because the priests uh, had left the abandoned God. They were not reverencing God. They were not respecting God. And the people were following in their actions and their behaviors. They were marrying foreigners and God had told them not to marry foreigners. They were doing all kinds of things. And if you read back in Malachi, you know, take a little time, read back through Malachi this week. You ain't got nothing else to do if you get pick up your Bible after <laughs> church today since you left it from last week. Um, it's, it's, it's in there, and it shows you and lets you know all the things that they were doing that were anti and against God. And God said, these things have brought a curse on you. You've been cursed. And so now, watch this. Um, the, the, we, we've looked at, in this text, we've looked at the rhetorical question. We've looked at the response of reality. Last thing I want to talk about, because I want you to know that everybody was not unfaithful to God. There was a remnant of faithful people, and what I want you to look at in verse number 16 and through 18 is the reward of the faithful remnant. They're, they're, every single individual was not unfaithful to God. Um, verse 16 picks up and says, then those who feared the Lord. See, there were some who feared the Lord and, and uh, feared the Lord, spoke to one another, and, and the Lord listened and heard them. So, so, so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. 
They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On that day that I make them my jewels, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Here's the, here's the great picture here is that, er, once again, everybody was not robbing God. Praise the Lord. Everybody in here is not robbing God. But there was a faithful remnant. And watch this. Now, what typically happens with this passage when people preach the passage is that they go to try me now and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour y'all such blessing that there might not be room enough for you to receive. Y'all know that, right? Y'all already know that. Y'all got that memorized. But here's the deal. The faithful already knew that. That message was to the unfaithful to try God. But the faithful were already trusting and trying God. They knew that God would open up the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that they did not have room enough to receive. While everybody else didn't have enough, they had what they needed. While everybody else was struggling, God was taking care of them. While everybody else was trying to rub pennies together, they had dollars and they had spare change and they could bless other people. They had money in the bank. They, they had better than what they had when they were hustling. Yes, yes, yes. They knew the blessings of God. And even today, those who are faithful to the Lord's word, they know the blessings of God. I ain't got to preach that to them. They already know that. But there is a promise to the faithful. There is, if you will, a reward that God says, I will give to those who have remained faithful. He says, look, I'm going to put their name in a scroll or a book of remembrance. Watch this. Now, for you and I, we, it, it paints a picture. It's, it's not that God is going to forget. God does not forget. For those that are faithful, God remembers our faithfulness, but it gives us the imagery, if you will, that there is a book of remembrance that is ever in the front in the presence of God when the day of judgment comes that he will remember that you were faithful. Because remember, he did say judgment was coming. See, they were living here in Israel like judgment wasn't coming. And the Lord said, yeah, judgment is coming. And I'm going to judge, and I will separate. And in that day, I'm going, everybody will know for sure who's mine, who's not. And, and, and the text says that, that God listened in on a conversation of the saints. And the saints, if you will, the faithful ones, were communicating with one another. Now, the text doesn't tell us what they were saying. But can I use my imagination for just a moment? I could just imagine that one faithful saint says to another saint, I've been honoring God and I didn't have much, but God supernaturally caused me to have enough when I got home. I I could hear another one saying, well, you know what? I'm, I'm working and I'm a single parent. But I've been faithful to God in giving to God. And last year, when my child had to go to college, I don't know how it happened, but God made a way that my child is in college. And I hear another saint saying that, that I've been faithful to God and I've been giving and honoring God. And, and even though there was a, a layoff on my job, guess what? I was the last one to come. I should have been the first one to go, but they kept me in my job. And I hear God listening in on their testimonies of faithfulness and how God had blessed them and how God was keeping them. And they were concerned about those that are going on around them. And the Lord says, don't be concerned. I've got a reward for you. Yes. 
I'm going to remember your faithfulness. I'm going to remember what you've done. I'm going to, watch this, the more that the, the, those that were evil talked against God, the more the faithful talked for God. I wish I had somebody here that's not ashamed of the gospel because when they start talking about Jesus in the office place, when they start saying that you can't have your Bible on your desk, I hear the faithful saying, for God I live and for God I die. In him I move and have my being. I can't live without him. I gotta give glory to him. How can I put away his word? If it wasn't for his word, I wouldn't be alive. I hear the faithful saying, talk about him as much as you please. The more you talk, I'm gonna stay on my knees. The more the wicked talked against him and said he doesn't know what he's talking about, the more the righteous stood up and said, yes, God is real. I can feel him in my feet. I can feel him in my hands. I feel Jesus all over me. I hear the wicked say, God is not real. I hear the faithful say, oh yeah, he's real. He's real. Oh yeah, he's real because he loves me. Because he holds me. Because he tells me that I'm his own. All the more the wicked talk, the more the faithful talked. And God said, I've got a reward for you. I'm going to remember your faithfulness. And in that day of judgment, you will become my jewels. You'll become precious to me. I'm going to preserve you from destruction. Can I point out one more thing, y'all? And I'm out of your way. I looked at the text. And I saw in the text where he doesn't say, watch this. This is what he doesn't say. He doesn't say because of your faithfulness, you'll make it in. I was looking at the text and he says, you're mine. And on that day, I will, watch this, I will spare them. That means salvation is not based on what we do, but his mercy towards us. Even though we're still faithful, that doesn't get you a ticket to heaven. It still takes the mercy of God. He's still got to forgive you. He's still got to, 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 to remove your sin. It's because of him that we'll be able to receive the reward that he talks about in the text. That we'll be his jewels and we'll escape the judgment that is yet to come. Question is, as I close, are we guilty? Are we guilty? The rhetorical question, response to reality reward to the faithful but are we guilty father in your name speak to every heart speak to every mind make it clear what your will is for us you've given the best you had you died on calvary's cross you you bled you suffered so that we would be able to be called the children of god spirit of god If there's one here under the sound of my voice that has not trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, I'm praying even right now 
that they would abandon the ways of the world and that they would come to you, give their heart, give their life to you. Father, here in our text, they were robbing you of tithes and offering, but maybe someone's robbing you of the privilege of being called Father. Father, I'm praying that today that they would surrender to you. Draw them, God, as only you can. Father, there are others that are struggling here with multitudes of issues. I'm praying you draw them too. Have your own way in this time and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.